The MMA Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. Get started today and you'll get a risk-free bet of up to $500. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at WYNNBet.com and download the app today. We're also brought to you by Coors Light. When you're sweating out your bets, remember to take some time and chill and grab the perfect cold refreshment, Coors Light. Heidi ho DeGenerinos, and welcome to the MMA 2, the MMA Gambling Podcast on the MMA, no, actually, yeah, we are on the MMA Gambling Podcast Network if you're uh, subscribing to our feed, so yes, but we're also on Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Um, that's the mothership, as we like to say in the business. Um, thank you for coming to the podcast, episode number 43. We will um, dedicate this one to Spicy P, Pascal Siakam of the Toronto Raptors, so a kind of rough rough season, so I he probably needs to pick me up. Get off a uh, bubble um, at the end of last season too, so he needs to pick me up. So this is going out to sp- you, Spicy P. Um, I would be your host, Jeff Fox. I host the show every week, or actually twice a week. Take that. I also edit and write at sportsgamblingpodcast.com, and I run the MMA-manifesto.com where you should head over – Right now, and then at the very least, enter our free pick'em contest where sports gambling podcast peeps are giving away fifty dollars to the store of your choice, and you can also read a bunch of good stuff on there. Um, there's actually an article on there written by my associate host of this very podcast right here, who I'm about to introduce. So you may want to read uh, his his piece on there on someone who's fighting on the card that we're going to break down for you today because UFC is back after. Us having to uh, actually do some hard work the past two episodes coming up with quality content to slang at you. We um, we ended up being forced to uh, talk extensively on Mo Vaughn's, uh MLB career to, to kill time, but none of that this week. This is uh, we're actually going to break down the fight card for you, which I'm sure most of you are happy um, for, other than the mobile fans out there. I'm sure there's a bunch of you listening, especially all those Germans that that tend to download our podcast. They for sure are mobile fans. So my associate uh, co-host, um, he has informed me that this is his third podcast of the day, which makes me feel pretty bad about myself, and you listeners should feel bad too about this. But he he. Pre- he claims that he's going to save all the, the hot takes for us, so we'll, we'll see about that. Um, the other podcast that he does host, if you want to dabble in that area, would be Prelim Picker, MMA podcast, where he breaks down all of the uh, prelim fights on the fight card, along with a co-host. He took him years and years, but he finally had a amazing co-host named Jeff Fox on a few weeks ago, but... Um, no luck this week. I'm sure it'll still be a good episode regardless. And he also does the Top Turtle. Wait a minute. Did I, did I say – am I still saying your one podcast name wrong? Yes, you, you, said, you said Prelim Picker <laughs> again, which was, uh, if anybody's real interested in reading some, some awful takes, uh, was my blog that I started I think 11 right. years ago uh, was the Prelim Picker. <laughs> okay. Now, now you shut up again. I haven't introduced you yet. Um, yeah. My uh, co-host, who I've not named yet, he is so polite that he uh, as he didn't inform me that I kept calling his podcast the Prelim Picker when really it's the Prelim Primer. Um, 
and he just let it go. Uh, so he missed out on like tens of thousands of, of listeners because they're all typing in prelim picker after they hear me say it, and they're not finding his podcast. It's prelim primer, and I actually was on it two weeks ago, so I really should know the name. So he does prelim primer. The other podcast I know the name of is the Top Turtle MMA podcast. He hosts that as well. Um, it's got some gambling degenerate uh, stuff on there. Uh, also, usually uh, in bookending the degenerate stuff is the is interviews with usually a fighter that's fighting on that week's uh, UFC card. So definitely check that out. Um, what else can I tell you about him? Um, it leaked out today. He accidentally let me know that he thinks on God, which is, I guess, good. To, I'm not a religious man, but I think that's a good thing to, to be thought of as God. He told me in email, um, and I think he might be embarrassed by that. What else? Uh, oh, he's the self-proclaimed uh, king of the Gogo Plata. He's always saying that he's the greatest Gogo Plata practitioner in the world. Um, when we're off, Mike, he tells me all the UFC fighters that he thinks that he's tougher <laughs> tougher than. Actually, he does that on Mike. I'm sorry. Uh, that, oh, that's on Mike. Um, what else does he do? Um, I think that's a pretty much it. Um, I already told you about he copies me with the dog, copies me with the kid's name. I thought of something else. Oh, um, he, I don't think this is going to be insulting to him, but he also was a jobber college athlete just like myself, correct? <laughs> yeah. Yes, he was a jobber too. Good way to place it. <laughs> yes. We were both jobber athletes in our collegiate career, um, and I guess that's pretty much it. Uh, he, uh, I let him talk twice before he, I, I should allow him to talk, but I need an answer. So, uh, without further ado, I know this is everyone's favorite part of the show, so I try to drag it on for you. But without for, further ado, because we actually have fights to break down, let's bring him in uh, officially, Daniel Gumby. Really, you can tell how good an episode is going to be by how long my introduction is. So this is going to be one of the very best ever. And I wasn't even planning on it being long. It just it just flowed. I got in the flow state that you hear athletes talk about, Dan, and it just was flowing. Just yeah, well, flowing. You, you had to get in there that I was a, a back of the rotation, not back of the rotation, front of the rotation reliever um, on a bad D3 baseball team for three there years. You, go, see? you know, if you don't get that in there, who would trust my, my MMA gambling advice? And I was the 15th man on a good basketball, a college basketball team, but... Uh, in Canada, so there, there's an asterisk there. But <laughs> we're certainly better than D3. We were beating Division Two teams. I, I know, I remember that at least. But yeah, but we both were jobbers. But that, that's why uh, we're bringing you this podcast. Yes. Um, our other career aspirations fizzled out. So my MLB career um, did not work out. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, it did not. Um, so yeah, well, we actually have a fight card breakdown this week. Um, I see though that. Um, Tough apparently started last night. Is that correct? Ultimate Fighter is back. It, it did indeed. And I actually, when I was watching it, and yes, I did in fact watch it because that's, that's why I was going to get Dan. Dan's <laughs> going to break it down. I'm that guy. Uh, so if, if you you didn't watch Tough it, Tough recap. You, go. Yeah, if you if you didn't watch it, go ahead and, and mute the next thirty seconds or so uh, for spoilers or two minutes or however long I talk about it. Um, but it was like kind of fun. I, I've always loved the Ultimate Fighter and its stupidness and. I, I love it for all the reasons people hate it, right? Like, the dumb drama. I'm not, like, a soap opera guy or I'm not a sitcom guy. Like, I, I watch very little TV. Um, but if I'm going to watch it, I might as well get that same drama. And they didn't have it in this episode so much. It was a lot of, like, uh, 
you know, guys just slightly younger than me talking about how many kids they want to have and and showing off pictures of their kids. So it certainly felt close to home in that way. Um, but also, I got to see a fighter I was really high on, pick up a nice win. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, watch the Ultimate Fighter; it's good stuff. Who uh, who's the fighter you're high on? Um, so I'm actually high on a lot on the show. Most of the ones are in the bantamweight division. Um, I really like Mitch Raposo, who's fighting next weekend, mostly because he's um, a Cage Titans guy, um, which I said is one of those organizations I watch. It's out of Plymouth, Massachusetts, I want to say. Um, one of those uh, coastal towns. So I really like him. Um, I like, um, who's the one from Florida there? Uh, Dustin Lampros, uh, who's a Bantamweight. He's on the same team as Mitch Raposo. Um, but the one who won is Andre Petrovsky, um, who's a Daniel Gracie guy. Daniel Gracie, for those not paying attention, is putting together a hell of a stable of fighters in Philadelphia. Um, between him and Sean Brady and Pat Sabatini, um, all of them are just like mean wrestler types who he taught some sick jujitsu to. And you get to see... Both that wrestling and that jiu-jitsu from Andre Petrovsky. So go back and watch the episode if you haven't already because it's, it's A, just like a really talented fighter picking up a, like a prospecty win, and B, it's, it's good for all the reasons you're pretending to hate it. Yeah, I was busy watching the Phoenix Suns put their, their uh, feet on the Los Angeles Lakers' necks and stepping on them for 48 minutes last night, so I didn't get a chance to watch the uh, Ultimate Fighter. Did, you, did your wife watch it also? You, you let us know that she's actually a fan. Yeah, she watched it with me. She absolutely yep. loved it. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, like, again, for all the same reasons, it's dumb, and it's dumb in the best possible way. You actually, you actually leaked that she actually went back and watched old seasons of it, too, yeah. which... I don't know if that's impressive or scary or, or what, or maybe a little bit of both. Depressing, I'm not sure. No, she, um, she went back and watched the good seasons, though. Like, I got to be okay. able to tell her to skip the ones that, like, aren't all that fun. So she went back. She, she This is this is a, a very bad reveal about my wife. Uh, well, she there. hasn't listened to the show, so we're, it's, she, we're safe. Yeah, that's true. She doesn't listen. but So she won't mind me uh, telling anonymous people out there that she loves Nate Diaz. Uh, so she went back and watched the Nate Diaz season um, of The Ultimate Fighter and was like, he was the least crazy of all of the people in that house? <laughs> I was like, yeah, 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 how nuts is that? <laughs> yeah, so she likes the bad boys, eh, Dan? Yeah, I mean, uh, how else could she have wanted up with me? <laughs> yeah, purple belt. Go. Oh, yeah, he's also the, the toughest purple belt in the world. He, he tells me off air, too. Um, <laughs> so I forgot about that. I forgot. You have your self-proclaimed lots of things, so. All right, so that was our um, that was our top recap. Um, for those of y'all that missed it, uh, we actually do have a, a fight card, though a real actual fight card this week to to report on. It would be UFC. I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave you hanging. I'm gonna tell you about Winbet first. Ha ha. Winbet. Um, where's the Winbet at, everybody? Winbet is bringing the action of real sports betting with the Win Las Vegas experience. Get in all your favorite teams, players, and sports games. Generous promos, odds, and parlays are right now at WinBet. Get started today, and you'll receive a special offer of up to $500 risk-free sports bet. Terms and conditions apply. Get the details at wynnbet.com and download the app today. So I left you hanging. It's UFC Fight Night, Rosenstrike versus Sakai. I love giving out all the alternative names. It's also UFC Vegas 28, which is what I probably will call it most of the time. Also, UFC Fight Night 189 and UFC on ESPN Plus 47. Do you have a nickname for this one at all, Dan? No, I think you 
Is is it twenty seven or twenty eight? <laughs> uh, UFC what? Uh, twenty eight. Yeah, UFC is twenty eight. Is the, the one Vegas twenty eight? UFC yeah. and ESPN. UFC and ESPN plus forty seven is is where the seven comes. Oh, in. oh, nice. Uh, UFC f- Fight Night Thick versus Chunky. How's that? Th- thick and chunky. Maybe yeah, maybe that we could... just got thick and chunky. Yeah, like um, like we're trying to sell like some sort of soup or something. Yeah, chunky soup. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, uh, this is going down from the UFC Apex as per usual, as the f- all the fight nights will be until further notice. This Saturday night, uh, I believe it's a 4 p.m., which is nice, 4 p.m. Eastern start time at ESPN Plus for the prelims, and then 7 p.m. Eastern ESPN Plus for the main card. Um, I rank fight cards over at uh, MMA-Manifesto uh, based on how strong it is on paper, based on the rankings of the fighters and whatnot. Um now, a average card rank, average fight nights ranks about 6,200. Best ever has been 9,900. Where do you think this one falls, Dan? Because I know you don't read anything I write, so I can ask you this without you actually knowing the answer. I would say this does not rank at the bottom, but I would say in turn, oh, no, because then again, you've got four ranked heavyweights at the top. No, I, I the top, the main event I give extra weight to and the co-main event um, about half of what the main event is rank ranking wise so those two are worth the most and then after that it's just every fight's the same okay so so with those two being at the top and being I, I mean like I, I think there's three top 10 guys and the, the third one's 11 I'm gonna say it fits pretty much like right in the middle of that range because it, it's gonna be surprisingly valuable on that that pretense alone it is yes. Average card sixty two hundred. This one's seventy three forty currently. So it's uh, it's yeah, like you said, upper, upper um, not elite elite, but but the upper ranges. We did lose a fighter uh, which had it ranked a little higher. We lost uh, the Iron One. Iron Lady shouldn't have to pull out of anything if she's an Iron Lady, right? Marina Moroz uh, ended up out of her fight. Did you hear why or not? Or did no, you I- even know that she was out? I barely knew she was out. I was just about to tape uh, one of those other podcasts that I am a part of, and uh, my my esteemed co-host for that one uh, actually let me know about five minutes before we started recording uh, that that she had been pulled, which is is tough on so many levels, mostly because she got filled in with somebody who I did know actually surprisingly little about. So uh, oh, we'll, we'll get to, we'll get to that one later. I, I wanted to wanted to quiz you, and maybe I can actually stump you on uh, Tabitha Ricci when we get to that fight. But yeah, so um, Marina Moroz is out. Let me see. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it, they haven't officially announced uh, that she's out yet. So um, I'm guessing COVID. It usually is COVID, especially if it's um, secretive. Uh, health stuff that they can't really come right out and tell you unless the fighter tells you first. So regardless, it, it's a even with. Um, that prelim fight off and, and the, a newcomer subbed in. We still got a real solid fight card. So let's break her down after uh, enough chitter chatter. We're going to start off with the fake fighter that Dan was talking about in the uh, first fight, lightweights, Claudia Puelis, Puelis, who's fake, right? You made that guy up, right? No, I think no, we decided no. last podcast. Oh, yeah, because you were like, that sounds like, like the most generic name in history, and it's Puelis. you got, you got to say the double oh, L like a okay, Y. Oh, so he's a real guy then, for sure. He has, he has um, a real he, – and if you listen to Top Turtle on the main later this week, mm-hmm. yes, uh, you will hear, up. yeah, Claudio Pueyes. <laughs> there you go. Um, and he's fighting Jordan Levitt. Is it Levitt or Leave It? 
I think it's Levitt. <laughs> Levitt or Levitt. Levitt, <laughs> Levitt. That's funny. That was a joke, and I even tried to. Um, this is also going to be – we're going to go heavy on nicknames this uh, episode because Dan mentioned how many amazing ones are on this fight card. So we're going heavy. I know that helps a lot of you degenerates decide who you're going to pick in a fight is who's got the better nickname. Um, that's Maybe that's the stat I should check. Uh, I should start tracking <laughs> who has a better nickname does that person win the fight. So but let's go with the silent L man first. We'll break down Puelles first, Claudio Puelles. His nickname, El Nino. Not bad. It's all right. Um, kind of generic, but – he is 9-2, two knockouts, five submissions. Um, he's very quietly 3-0 and in the UFC. He's not fought since September of 2019, but we know via the stats we're tracking that that may be a positive. Because as Dan has said, getting punched in the head probably isn't good for you. So taking time off and punching probably is good for you. Um, so 3-0, like I said, hasn't fought in almost two years, year and a half at, um, at this point. Two inches taller. Then love it or leave it. Um, one inch of reach on him. He's twice more active striking, twice more active landing strikes, that is. Um, and he's at plus 165. Um, leave it or love it is uh, the Monkey King. So I'd say he wins the nickname of this one, hands down, right? Absolutely, yeah. The yeah. Monkey King is a, a prime nickname. Yeah, he, he uh, normally that would probably be good enough to win the whole fight card, but I – don't think so. I see some good ones coming up. So, um, the Monkey King is eight zero. He's got one knockout, five submissions. He's one zero in the UFC. He's one zero on the Contender Series. He won his UFC debut with a very scary slam knockout over handsome Matt Wyman, um, who uh, the Monkey King didn't really seem very happy about it. He seemed quite um, shook about it. So, because um, it was pretty gnarly. Uh, he's we're talking small sample sizes, but striking stats in his favor, grappling stats in his favor. Um, the bookmakers are in his favor also, minus 210. I'll go with the chalk in this one, and I'll take the Monkey King at minus 210. Yeah, I'm going to take the Monkey King in this one too. And I, I do like Puelles. I, I think he's got a lot of talent on the ground. I think his submission game's really sharp. You know, if you if you look back at one of those two wins he's got, in a row, one of them he had actually beat up pretty bad in the, the Felipe Silva fight before he pulled out a hell of a knee bar right at the end of that fight. Uh, I think there was like two minutes left. Um, he looked gra- good grappling Marcos Mariano, even though I think Marcos Mariano's not UFC letter talent. But he looked good grappling those guys. The thing is, is I just don't think he's going to be able to sub somebody like Jordan Levitt off of his back. Uh, and I think that's the problem here is that he's going to wind up on his back. He's going to wind up getting outworked by a better grappler. And if for some reason this is one of those ones where the grappling cancels out and we wind up seeing a striking match, I actually think Levitt's got the advantage there too. So while I like Claudio quite a bit and I, I think his grappling chops are for real, I just think this is the worst possible kind of matchup for him. And considering Silent Els was on Dan's podcast this week, then the fact he's picking against him means he must really think that uh, Love It or Leave It's going to win. So uh, Monkey King is, is uh, our strong choice for this one. Um, and nickname-wise, he also wins. So, so far, this, the strongest nickname has been our choice. Um, this, the order of the fight card's kind of out of whack, like uh, I see various orders and various um, sources. So um, I'll go with, I'm going to go with the order I see on most, most sites, but this is not uh, official. I don't think at this point. Um, so we'll move on. So, with that being said, move on to featherweights, Sean Woodson, Yusef Zalal. Um, we'll start with Zalal, who is the Moroccan devil, which is a good, very cool nickname. And he was on the top Turtle podcast last week. There you go. Everything's tying together here. He is 10 and four. 
Two knockouts, five submissions. Fight, so we're talking four decision losses. So if you think he's going to lose, then take Woodson via decision in this one. Um, he's two and two in the UFC. One is his first two, and then drop the last two. That's the way that math works. Four years younger. I was about to say four inches taller, but no, definitely not four inches taller in this fight. Four years younger than Woodson. Striking and grappling stats in his favor. Plus 155 coming back for him. Sean Woodson nicknamed the Sniper. I'm going with Moroccan Devil nickname over the Sniper in this one. That, that's a much better nickname. Yep. I, I, Mor- right. Moroccan Devil is clearly the nickname winner here. All right, there we go. We got another clear winner here. Okay, um, the Sniper, Mr. Sean Woodson. 7-1, and one, two knockouts, one submission. So, yeah, this fight be one you want to go uh, via decision. Um, unless you think Zillal is going to finish it because he's a finisher. But Woodson is not. Um, 101 UC, he got subbed. I'm going to say sub two. He got subbed his last fight. Um, boom, boom, boom. One and one contender series. That's how he got into the UFC. Um, so he had won seven straight before the very last fight, also, by the way. Uh, he was 7 and 0 heading into that. And then he got subbed. One and one contender series. He's four inches taller because he's a giant um, for Featherweight. Um, six inches of reach, which is pretty wild. Twice, uh, he likes twice. I cannot talk. Dan's going to take over as host now, and I'm going to sit back and be the analyst, everybody. Um, the sniper is twice as active landing strikes. Um, and he's at minus 195. So before I finish having my stroke here, I think I'm going to take uh, Zalal. I'm going to go with um, plus 155 because I said on our show last week I should pay more attention to the stri- factors like striking um, since they're such a huge determinant of, of uh, winning fights. What, 67%, I believe we said, uh, for the person with the better striking stats. So I'm going to go with Zalal here at plus 155, and I'll, I'll take that nice one-and-a-half times money. Well, this is going to be our first difference then. Okay. I'm, I'm going to lead off with, with Sean Woods in here, because while I like Yusuf Zalal, the thing I've noticed about his last two fights is he's had a lot of difficulty with people on the feet. Aliyah Tapuria uh, and Sung Woo Choi, both decent strikers. Uh, I think Tapuria is actually probably a little sharper, um, even than Woodson. But but Zalal had trouble with both of those guys. The, the people we're seeing him beat mostly are people he can outgrapple and who also like to grapple, right? Like people like Peter Barrett who like to grapple but just aren't as good of a grappler as Yusuf Zalal. So um, my worry here for Zalal is that he's going to go in and try to strike for any meaningful amount of time. And, and Woodson, I mean, there's a reason his nickname is the sniper, right? Like he is legitimately a very fun tactical striker from the outside. And I know you said, you know, he, he doesn't seem to finish very many fights and, and he doesn't seem to, you know, like maybe you want to bet this one by decision. But he does, he did have a, a amazing flying meets knockout against any on the contender series. If you go back to some of his earlier fights. He's got some knockouts over, you know, guys who are way more experienced than him at that point. I actually wouldn't be super surprised to see Sean Woodson hit a knockout here uh, on Yusuf Zalal, because I think if he stands and trains with him for any meaningful amount of time, he's going to get pieced up. And I think if Zalal gets desperate on those takedowns, Sean Woodson with that height and those knees has some absolutely brutal knees. So, uh, yeah, I, I like Sean Woodson in this one quite a bit. So you're not just going against my pick, you're emphatically going against my pick and saying he's going to finish him. Interesting. Yeah, and I've actually I'll picked, against, I've picked against two guests in a row here, yes, so you, can, you, can tell, you can tell precisely how strongly I feel about those fights as well. All right, let's see. The next fight, women's flyweight, Manon Fioro. Have you had her on the podcast? No, I don't think you have, right? I, I have not. I, I, no. I don't know. Is she a, I, I don't know how well she is she, with the native English speaker because uh, she is – She's French, right? Originally. Yes, and, you're, and we've discovered your French is very poor, right? 
I don't know, ask Daniel Cormier. <laughs> exactly. And now she is facing a very short notice fighter. Um, what's her first name? Ricci. What did I Tabitha. say? Was? Tabitha, right. Tabitha Ricci. Okay, uh, Tabitha Ricci is the baby shark. Ugh. Are your kids into baby shark, Dan? My oldest is into baby shark. Yes. Ugh. All right, it's pretty, so, so it's know, pretty devastating. It's very <laughs> devastating. All right, baby shark is uh, taking this on short notice, as I said. So as of us recording this on Wednesday, it was just announced this afternoon that she's stepping in on this uh, this fight. Um, she just fought I, February, I believe, or April, actually. No. Do you remember when she fought last? It, it was fairly recently, within the she past fought- month. Uh, G- Firo fought, or Ricci. No, uh, Ricci, yeah. R- Ricci fought at LFA in May, I want to say. April yeah. or May. All right, yeah. So it's very, uh, very short. But it's a very quick turnaround. Um, like I said, she's 5-0 and as a pro. One knockout, two submissions. Uh, this will be her debut. She fought most in LFA, or at least uh, the past few fights were on LFA. So basically the largest regional promotion, uh, in the, at least in North America, the main feeder league for the state. She's five years younger, and she's at plus 400 is where I saw her uh, at. Uh, this was posted right after uh, people ha- people had up there right after the fight was announced. Actually, it hasn't even officially been announced as we're recording this. So. She will be fighting the Beast. So obviously the Beast is beating Baby Shark because Baby Shark super annoying, right? <laughs> that, that is correct. All yeah. right, so there we go. Although, well, although Joe Rogan calling people Beast is pretty annoying too. So oh, that's you right, got yeah. That, you got that for a fact in there. Do-do-do-do, though, bud. <laughs> no one's going the beast do 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 the beast do 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 do. See, it's not as annoying as baby not, shark. Not until you just baby right shark, <laughs> daddy beast. Okay, so the beast six and one, five knockouts, uh, one and zero in the UFC. She won via TKO in her debut. She's won six straight fights. She lost her debut fight against that girl in Bellator who's from Ireland and she's ranked fifth. And her name is I can't remember her name right now. What's her name again? Wait, say that one more time. Menon Fioro lost her debut against... She did not lose her debut. She head-picked no, Victoria no, her, Leonardo into her a different... Pro, her pro debut, she lost Oh, her pro debut, Liam McCourt. Liam McCourt yes, is the name of the person. I thought you said before. UFC debut. No, like, no she head-picked She lost her pro debut against Liam McCourt, and she's won six straight since then. She's won four straight via TKO. Um, she's five inches taller, got four inches of reach, minus 484 was the best I could see her at. I'll, I'll take her at that number regardless and probably take her via finish in this fight. Even yeah, though I don't, I you, don't know much about Ricci. Have you seen Ricci fight at all? I, I have seen Ricci fight. The thing I'll say about Ricci, <laughs> she's extre- Yeah, well, she was on LFA. I don't miss much LFA. Yeah. Um, if, you, if you've watched any of Ricci, she's extremely talented on the mat. Uh, she's got good takedowns. She's got good judo. Um, her submission game is pretty high level. This is a lot to ask for her in a debut, though. Because um, I think Minon Ferro is probably already, even in her short career, already a top 10 to possibly moving in on a top 5 flyweight right now. I really am that high on her. Um, so for her to be fighting somebody who's only had 5 pro fights in her entire career and is kind of just learning the striking game, right? Like, that's what I would say about Tabitha Ricci. She's good at grappling but kind of figuring out the the striking portion of things. I, I think Ferro is just going to blast her on the feet. She keeps distance well. She moves her feet well. She mixes up her strikes, which is not predictable. You know, you mentioned this might be a fight where Ferro gets a finish. I couldn't agree with you more. I, I think Ferro probably goes out there and just starches Ricci on the feet. There you go. So Ferro is... 
the pick, we are going with The Beast, um, which means we can move on. Uh, lightweights, we'll move on to Alan Patrick versus Mason Bones. Um, we'll start with Patrick Nuget, Nugete. Is that how, that's how you pronounce it, right? Nugete? I, I think so, and I have no idea what it means, by no. the way. I did definitely look it up. Yeah, we, we <laughs> looked it up uh, live on the podcast last week. I'm sure that oh, was, that's right. that we was did. gripping. That's, that was just, a, that's just some freaking great radio right yeah, there. Yeah, well, we were <laughs> at, that's how we were last, uh, podcast with no event to, to talk about whatsoever because um, we were trying to find what Nugete means in English. If, if we do have any Portuguese listeners out there and Nugete translates to something other than Nugete um, – Get at us, Jeff Fox, writer on Twitter or Gumby Vreeland on Twitter. Um, it could be Nugget. Maybe we'll call him Nugget or Nugget. Um, regardless, um, he's four, he's 15 and three, excuse me, 15 and three, four knockouts, two submissions, five and three in the UFC. He's dropped his last two fights though. Uh, he's an inch taller than Jones, grappling staff in his favor, plus 230. Uh, coming back on him if you bet him and he wins. Uh, Jones is the dragon. So we got, I guess we're going to have to go with the dragon. So at least we know what that is, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with the dragon all on right. that one. Mason Jones is the pick. Um, and all right, yeah, so far I've gone with, <laughs> inadvertently, I've gone with the best nickname on all my picks so far. Interesting. Um, Jones, 10 and 1 as a pro, four knockouts, three submissions. He lost his UFC debut after coming in on a 10 fight win streak. He was a double champ in Cage Warriors over in Europe before the UFC. He's 12 years younger than Patrick. Uh, he, we're talking small sample size, but one fight, but he landed, he lands four times more strikes than Patrick on average, at least based on one fight. He's a minus 300. Uh, are you going with the Dragon or are you going with Nugget? I'm going with the Dragon in this one. I, I think Mason Jones is a clear pick. Alan Patrick, or Patrick, I believe you're, you're supposed to say, he's just a guy who relies on the takedown and like needs to be on top. And, and as we've seen, when that doesn't work out, it doesn't go all that well. He ain't going to do that to Mason Jones. Mason Jones is going to absolutely take it to him. If it goes to the ground, it's on Mason Jones' terms. If it doesn't go to the ground, Mason Jones just blasts him on the feet for as long as it takes to finish him or, I mean, one of the most one-sided standing decisions you've ever seen. So I think, again, I'm emphatically picking Mason Jones in this one. I feel real comfortable in this pick. Yep. I'm going with the Dragon also. So Mason Jones is the pick. Uh, gets a bounce back win, hopefully, because um, he was a very highly touted guy heading into his UFC debut. Uh, brings us to, that was Lightweight's, who should we break down next? No, I don't think that fight is going to be next. Let's break down. How about welterweights? Francisco Trinaldo Musan Stelikov. Um, goes Trinaldo first, nicknamed Masaranduba, which I think means bullet wood, or it's it's a type of wood called bullet wood. Yeah, it's it's, it's a type of Brazilian wood. I know right. that to be true. Yeah. There you go. It's also a, it's also a place in in Brazil. So we're talking about. Um, Bulletwood, and uh, we'll tell you the other guy's nickname in a second. Just wait. Um, it's worth the wait. I got uh, it. I got it off the top of my head because I think it's the best. It's Muslim, I know. the, the king of it. Kung Fu. <laughs> I, I told everyone to wait, and you're blurting it out. I know what his nickname is. God, Dan. <sighs> All right, it's fine. It's just too good. All right, Bulletwood versus King of Kung Fu. Obviously, King of Kung Fu is the pick, right? For the yeah, name. that's that's the way better. Okay, thing. obviously, Bulletwood. All right, but Muscle Run Dubai is, is pretty fun to say too. All right, now that Dan's ruined that, let's continue. Uh, Trinado's twenty-six and seven with nine knockouts, five submissions. He's lost three fights via submission. He's not fighting a submission expert though, so let's 
probably not going to come into play here. Um, 16 and 6 in the UFC. He has been around forever. Uh, he, before the UFC, he was on the fighter. He's 1 and 1. He's won three great fights in four of his last five, which is very impressive. He was four pounds overweight his last fight, uh, which was at lightweight. So this one is at welterweight. So that's something to keep in mind here. Is this his first time fighting at welterweight? In the this UFC, is indeed his first first time okay. moving up to welterweight since coming to the UFC. Yeah. Makes sense, though, because he's getting older. So um, graphic stats in... Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, there you go. Graphic stats in the favor, plus 195. Uh, King of Kong Fu, Stelikov, 17-7, 12 knockouts, two submissions. Let's check out this uh, kickboxing record before the UFC. 185, 13-1 in the in kickbox, <laughs> professional kickboxing. That's professional. He was also a Sanda champion. Do, do you know what Sanda is, Dan? Yeah, it's a... Chinese form of wushu, right? Exactly, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I think he was I think it was a demonstration sport in one of the Olympics and he won gold at it, I believe. Um so he's good at a wushu, which I think is called Santa now. Or his form is called Santa at least, the Russian form. Um four and one in the UFC, he's won four straight fights after dropping his debut. Two inches taller, six years younger, striking stats in his favor, minus two fifty, and Dan's pick is the King of Kung Fu, Muslim Salikov, and, and not even just because I like the nickname. But look, you you mentioned the striking background. It's incredible. His striking is a lot of fun. I actually, you know, I, I've said this I said this earlier about Ferro, and I'll say this about Salikov. I think he's higher than the UFC has him ranked right now. Um, they don't have him in the welterweight rankings. I think it's a farce. The dude's on a four-fight win streak. He looks incredible in there. I, I think Trinaldo moving up a weight class is probably smart at this age. He he can't hang with those lightweights anymore, and the weight cut's killing him. It, it's a smart move up, but, like, he's a very muscular guy who kind of depends on, uh, you know, like, picking his spots and winning, like, short exchanges. And Muslim Salikov's just not going to give him any of those. Muslim Salikov is going to make him fight for 15 minutes. I just think he's going to wear him out and be able to finish him late. Yeah, this is a very bad matchup for him moving up, especially for an old guy with old chin. Um, as for rankings on the performance-based rankings, so not uh, booting rankings that I run on MMA Dash Manifesto, Selikov comes in at ninth, so there you go. That's probably where he should be in the official rankings also. So um, so he is he's my pick as well, if I hadn't said that already. King of Kung Fu is the pick, and I've gone with the better nickname in every fight so far. And I did, <laughs> I did not plan this. I, I swear I did not plan this in advance. Um, this one's both, um, both these guys have similar style nicknames. This could be an interesting one. Heavyweights, Tanner Boser, uh, Iller Latifi. Um, Boser is Canadian, so let's everyone keep that in mind. Um, I tend to like to fade Canadian, so let's see what I do in this time. Um, Iller Latifi is the Sledgehammer, which is a pretty good nickname for him. Fire Hydrant, also, I would, I would call him. Um, he's a thick, thick dude. Uh, he's 14 and 8 with one no contest. Six knockouts, four submissions. He has been knocked out himself four times, so half of his losses have come via knockout. Seven and six in the UFC. He was seven and three, but he's dropped three straight fights. Um, he just moved up to heavyweight last fight, I believe. So it's, I think it's the second fight up at heavyweight. Despite that, he, according, according to the last weigh-ins, he will be, or was at least, 14 pounds heavier than Nimbozer. So he, like I said, he's a thick, uh, thick, thick dude. He's not fought since February of 2020. Grappling stats in his favor. He's at plus 165. Uh, Tanner Bozer is the bulldozer. Bulldozer Bozer. So who are we picking here? Uh, I think I like bulldozer Bozer. I like the sound of that better. 
I think yes. That's the alliterative last nickname is probably yes. the better nickname. There you go. Tanner Bulldozer Dozer. Um, 1971, Kadnock has two submissions, three and two in the UFC, lost his last fight, but he's uh, that was, what, against your boyfriend, wasn't it? Was Arlovsky his last fight? He, uh, yes, I believe he lost Andre Arlovsky. Uh, embarrassed, Dan. I called him out on his boyfriend. Probably. Well, well, and I think, too, the sad thing is that I think that was the first time I had picked against Arlovsky. Yeah, that's true. I picked Bovzer in that one. Yep. Um, so, yeah, he, he hasn't been um, – he's been getting fed some some decent guys. Um, four inches taller than Latifi. Uh, not surprising. Latifi was a light heavyweight before. Uh, two inches of reach, eight years younger. He's got striking stats, and plus he lands twice as many strikes as Latifi does. He's at minus 210. And shock of all shocks, I am going with the Canadian here. Um, I think you may even be able to knock him out if you want to do a prop here and make it better than minus 210. And I'm going to disagree with you here. Uh, I'm going to tell you not to take the Canadian. Okay. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to take Ilya Latifi, and here's why. Ilya Latifi went in in his heavyweight debut and fought Derek Lewis. Right. Which, first yes, of yes. all, that's an incredible ask for anybody to be like, oh, yeah, you're used to fighting light heavyweights. How do you feel about fighting Derek Lewis? And the dude not only stepped up and did that, he did really well against Derek Lewis. The next heavyweight the champion of the world. Sorry. Possibly, right? <laughs> like, he, possibly. But he, he scored three of seven takedowns on him. He had eight and a half minutes plus of top control against Derek Lewis. He didn't let Derek Lewis back up in many situations. And let me tell you something. Derek Lewis is good again about getting back up. Like, if that, that's one thing we know about Derek Lewis, right? The dude gets back up. And Latifi didn't let him. Latifi seems to understand where he is in his career, being a 40-year-old dude, being the smallest guy in this division. And, like, he's getting a chance to fight a heavyweight that doesn't outsize him significantly. Like, like this is the best possible scenario for him. I think he just takes Boser down and holds him down enough to win a decision here. Hey, decent decent enough analysis. Um, he is a Canadian, so you probably should fade him, but I, my uh, <laughs> my stats say pick him, so I'm taking Bulldozer Dozer. So, once again, I've gone with a better nickname with my pick. Um Women's fly. Let's do the women's flyweight next. Um, we've got Montana De La Rosa versus Ariane Lipsky. Um, we will go with Lipsky first, the Queen of Violence. So that's a damn good nickname there. Um, Thirteen to six, six knockouts, submissions, two and three in the UFC. For the UFC, she was the KSW champion uh, over in Europe. It's one of the larger. Um, larger promotions over in uh, in Poland and in, actually in Europe in general, in the world actually, it's a very very uh, solid promotion. Um, she got knocked out uh, or TKO'd at least in her last fight. She's at plus one ninety five. De La Rosa's nickname is Monty. Weak, weak, weak. Queen of Violence obviously wins this one, uh, nickname wise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like not having a nickname automatically makes you lose. Exactly. Yeah, Monty is not. Uh, come on, that's just you're shortening your name. That that yeah, that's not a nickname. Nope. I don't count that. Not at all. Um, all right, she's eleven six and one, eight submissions on her record. She's four two and one in the UFC. Before that, she also was an Ultimate Fighter, one and one in the uh, Tough House. She's oh one and one in her last two fights. She's an inch taller, got an inch of reach, a year younger. Grappling stats in her favor, minus two fifty. Are we going with the good nickname or are we going with the bad nickname for your pick, Dan? I'm going with the lack thereof nickname because I'm sticking with my original statement that uh, that's not a real nickname. But I, I think Montana De La Rosa has no problem here with Ariane Lipsky. Um, I, I know I just keep sounding emphatic in all these picks, and I'm probably going to look like a huge douche if I, I 
it comes out next week that I, you know, botched all of these. But Lipsky is a fighter who has had so much trouble with wrestlers. Uh, or anybody trying to wrestle her. Not even wrestlers, right? Like, Antonita Shevchenko came out last time and not only took her down, held her down and ground and pounded her out. Like, that that is a, a complete domination on the ground. And nobody in the whole world considers Antonita Shevchenko a dangerous, like, wrestling opponent, right? And now she's fighting Montana De La Rosa, who is literally that. She's somebody who loves to grapple, has a great wrestling game, sometimes not so hot on the feet, but, like, this this is a great matchup for her because all she's got to do is get in once, and, and this fight is either over or she's just going to zap everything out of Lipsky for the second and third round. Yep, uh, Monty is my pick as well. Uh, C. Montgomery Burns is the pick here. That's the second Simpsons reference on the show, uh, on this show. So, yeah, um, she's a pick. You like her via submission maybe also or not? I think it would have to depend on the numbers because I don't have it right. in front of me yeah. right now. I, I think if that number crept up in the plus 350s to 400s, I'd probably be interested in it. A little bit lower than that, and I'm probably not super excited about it because I think there's a decent chance she gets a submission here. But also, you know, it's women's flyweight, which doesn't typically have tons of finishes. So right. um, I, I think there are better props out there than that, unless it's an astronomical number. And Lipsky's never lost via submission. That's up a note. She's only lost twice via knockout, four times via a decision. So decision may be your your safe pick here. Um, but if you're a degenerate, which more, more than likely you are, if you're listening to us right now, then you may want to go via submission here. All right, I believe, I'm not sure if this is going to be the, the main event of the prelims or not, depends on who you're listening to, but it would be a featherweight battle between Makwan Amir Khan versus Kemuela Kirk. Um, now, this is we got a couple interesting nicknames here. Um, Kemuela is the Jawaiian, so it's like Hawaiian with a J at the starting of it. So do you know anything about him or why he's called the Jawaiian, Dan? Nope, I, I can only... I don't want to speculate, but I, I'm assuming he's a lion of also some other ancestry that would have a J, like maybe Jamaican Hawaiian or Jewish Hawaiian or something of that nature. I was thinking um, thinking he was a Hawaiian Jawa. No, he's not. I I don't think they're drives around in that Jawa. He he looks a little bit taller. It's true. He doesn't doesn't have eyes that glow. Um. All right. So anyhow, he's he's a Jawaiian. Um, he's a lab. Maybe you have him on your show sometime and you can, you can find out where that nickname comes from. Um, he is a finisher. He's finished all of his wins. He's 11 and four, five knockouts, six submissions. This will be his debut and this will be coming on sh- very short notice. Um, what, two weeks ago? I think. Uh, uh, do you know how long it was? Do you remember Dan? Am I putting yeah, he, he, he fought, he fought at LFA 107, which I believe was May 14th. So that gives you three weeks before fight time. Yeah. And then I, I, I don't think he was even plugged in into this fight, uh, right after that either. So anyhow, sure. Notice regardless, he's one, two, three fights. He was on the contender series where he lost. Um, he's three inches of reach on Americani, six years younger. Um, he, he's we're talking very we're talking one fight sample size here, but he lands three times more strikes than Americani. He's at plus two twenty. Americani is Mr. Finland because he what was runner up, I believe, in Mr. Finland contest. So it's uh, literal nickname. Now, which nickname are we liking here? 
Mr. Finley. I like Mr. I like Mr. Yeah, Finley. I think so too because the joy is still confusing to us. So, Mr. Finley, <laughs> if it is Jawa related, though, I may have to change my pick. Um, so, Mr. Finley is the pick for nicknames. He's sixteen and five, one knockout, eleven submissions. Um, we got a couple submission artists here. He's six and three in the UFC. He's gone loss, win, loss in his last three fights. So he lost his last one. So he's due for a win, right? Minus two sixty three. Um, little. Little chalky for me, but I'll be taking him regardless. Yeah, I think it is a little chalky, and I I think Kirk is probably a live underdog in this fight too. Um, he's he's got a lot of potential. I like him on short notice. Uh, I also don't like if you went back to his contender series fight with Billy Quarantillo. I, I like Quarantillo took him down and just like did whatever he wanted on the mat. Um, and for me, when you're fighting somebody like Amir Khani, who is so good at, at submissions, right? Like his last two wins are both Anaconda chokes, um, you know, and, and he's got more than that for finishes in the UFC. So I just like Amir Khani too much on the mat here to really be able to truck Kirk, especially on short notice. There you go. Mr. Finland is the pick. Um, and that concludes the prelim portion of the card at this point. Um, let me tell you about our good friends at Queer's Light, and then we will go, as we always do, ad-free for the main card. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? Other than listen to our podcast, what else do you do? Uh, how do you hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? There's only one beer out there that's only made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Coors Light also, not Coor Light. Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit recite, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Light Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate responsibly. All right. You think I would know how to talk by now? This is what, episode 43? And yet, I can still cannot talk properly. Um, we'll go middleweights, shall we? Tom Breeze versus Antonio Arroyo. Uh, middleweights kicking off the main card on ESPN Plus. Um, Arroyo's nickname is Blank. Breeze's nickname is Blank. Do you know otherwise? I have not found nicknames for them anywhere. Dan. No, I, I, I think this is the boring one that has no nickname. the boring one. So we should need... Looks like we're, we're going to have to go to some other stat in order to bring right. these babies down. Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll introduce some stats here and we'll see if, if anything uh, can help us decide here. Uh, Arroyo, 9-4, and four, four knockouts, four submissions. So we've got a finisher on our hands, as is Breeze. Um, Arroyo is 0-2 in the UFC. Uh, he was on Contender Series twice. He won both those fights. He's at plus 195. Uh, Tom Breeze is 12-3, five knockouts, six submissions. 5-3 in the UFC. He got subbed in his last fight. He's actually gone loss, win, loss, win, loss over his last, what, five fights. So by my math, that would mean it's time for a win. He's two years younger than Arroyo, minus 250. I'll go chalk again. I'll take minus 250 and Tom Breeze. Yeah, I'm going to go chalk again, but again, I, I don't feel good about it, mostly because Tom Breeze is he's one of those fighters who I feel like I have a pretty good beat on how he should fight and how he would look best fighting, and he often does not fight that way. Um, I, I'm actually really high on his offensive grappling in a lot of situations. I think when he's shooting the takedown and he's on top, he, he looks really good. I think that's a great path to victory here against Arroyo. Yet, for some reason, I feel like this is going to turn into a striking battle um, because Breeze has got a couple of knockouts in his career, and he tends to fall in love with them, right? Like, he, he jabbed KB Buller and knocked him out, which, like, I don't know. Do you feel good about that? I don't particularly feel good about that. Um, he knocked out Daniel Kelly, who I used to love and be a big fan of. 
But, like, I, I really wish, like, he would go back to his, his time on the, the British regional circuit where he was he was choking everybody out um, in both Bama and Cage Warriors. He, he was hitting a bunch of chokes. I actually like that part of his game better. I mean, I've seen him on, on any of the grappling shows on, like, flow, flow grappling and stuff like that. Heel hooks and rear naked chokes. Like, he, he looks good on the mat. I kind of wish we'd see it here against Arroyo. I think it's going to wind up being a striking match, and he will probably win there too. I will tell you, I don't like these odds where they're at. If you know, like, if you're picking a fight to stay away from, if you're not the truest of true degens, this might be one of them because, like, I think he's going to fight the fight he shouldn't, and I think he's probably still going to win. But those odds are a little too lofty for me to to fall in love with. Don't listen to Dan. You have to bet on every fight, and you have to bet hundred dollars on every fight. So you will be betting Tom Breeze. At minus 250, <laughs> and you will like it. Um, next fight, uh, Dan mentioned douche earlier, and we've got douche go <laughs> quick in a middleweight fight against Gregory Rod- Rodriguez. Um, Rodriguez, his nickname is Robocop. Um, do you know why he's named Robocop? I know it's a movie, I, but why is he named Robocop? I, I think it's because of his affinity to, like, kind of just, like, march forward. Okay. Because um, – and correct me if I'm wrong because I haven't seen Robocop in, uh, since I was a child. Um, but, like, is – is did Robocop just kind of, like, march forward without, like, being scared of anything or, you know, like, being being deterred from his, his objective? Yeah, I believe so, yes, because I believe he's a, what, um, a cyborg? So, yeah. Cyborgs yeah, have no yes. feelings. Yes. So I, I think that's where it comes. All right, there you go. Uh, um, Rodriguez, Mr. Robocop, nine and three with four knockouts, four submissions. He is another late notice debut. Uh, that's what three of them uh, so far on this card. Um, tough way to make your debut in the UFC, but regardless, he's won two straight fights. He was also in the contender series and lost. He's the one in there. Uh, he is. Freshly crowned LFA champ, I believe. Was the, I guess he would have just got what the middleweight title. His last fight, probably. Correct. Yeah, that, that was just title. that was May twenty first. So we're talking what two weeks ago. Um, two inches taller. Got one inch of reach. He's at plus one thirty five against uh, Thunder. We call him Thunder Douche. Um, I'm going with Thunder Douche, obviously for the nickname because we made that one up. <laughs> I, I guess that's, that's not the better one. <laughs> Dushko um, is ten and one, six knockouts, three submissions. He is one and one in the UFC. He got TKO'd his last fight. He was also one and zero on the Contender Series. He's two years younger than Mr. Robocop, but really robots don't have ages. Um, striking. And active striking stats in his favor. We're talking, what, uh, one fight for Rodriguez within the UFC Octagon on the Contender Series. Grappling stats also in uh, Thunder Douche's favor. Um, he's, that's, that's a good nickname. He's minus one, <laughs> minus one seven. Yeah, I'll go with the Thunder in this one. I, I'm going to go with Rodriguez. Oh, um, really? You know, you know, you mentioned the short notice guys have been doing a little bit better than we thought, and we've been against the first two. Um, so I'm going to I'm gonna go with a trendy pick here and, and pick Rodriguez. And now I'm going to also pick it for a technical reason. One of the things you'll notice about Todorovic and when he moves forward is if he has any success with his hands, he just keeps throwing. Um, you know, like if something lands, he's like, oh, cool, I can throw the right version of that and then back to the left version of that and then back to the right version of that. And, and he doesn't, like, it all just comes at once. It, it's like an avalanche. And while that works against a lot of people, you will notice Rodriguez is a sniper in there. Now, he's not Sean Woodson. He doesn't have the nickname sniper. But 
he, he absolutely can touch your chin and put somebody out. He, he knocked out Josh Fremd, who, who, like, anybody who knows anything about LFA, that guy is a highly touted prospect, and you will see him in the UFC, I'm positive, at some point in time as well. But he, like, just sniped him out and just put him out cold, right? Like, it was an amazing knockout, and it's not the first time he's done that. So with a guy who kind of wings wild shots and just keeps moving, that's not really a great plan against somebody who's a smart counter striker. Like, you, you kind of have to pick your shots as well and make sure you don't overextend yourself. And I kind of expect Todorovic here to overextend himself just once, uh, and once is probably all it will take. All right, there we go. Um, Dan is going out on the limb for some underdogs, and I am – well, actually, no. I picked an underdog, and you picked a favorite one fight, but um, you've gone against me in a couple. So you will pay for that come Saturday, Dan, going against the boss. Um, moving on, welterweight, Santiago Ponzinibbio versus Miguel Baeza. Um, the veteran Ponzinibbio's name is Jante Boa. Do you know what that means, Dan, in English? Yes, it means um... – Gentle boy? No, something. No, I don't remember. What good, good people. I did more. Good people. I did remember at one point. <laughs> Does good people sound right? Because that's what I got that, when I looked it sure, up. Sure, sure. That that sounds reasonable. Good people. So he's good people. Um, he's twenty-seven and four, fifteen out of six submissions. Uh, he has been knocked out himself three times. So if you're going to beat him, you're going to knock him out. Is how you're going to beat him. Um, nine and three in the UFC. He was four and zero in the Ultimate Fighter. Um, let me see. He got knocked out his last fight. He's seven and one uh, over his last eight. However, his last win was way back in 2018. He did have uh, what three years off there almost. Um, he's a phone here. Um, Baeza is Caramel Thunder. I'll, I'll go with Caramel Thunder for the nickname. <laughs> that's, that's definitely the best nickname. <laughs> we got two thunders back to back here: a Thunder Douche and a Caramel Thunder. <laughs> um, he's ten and zero with seven knockouts, one submission, three and zero in the UFC, all finishes. He's with one role in the contender series. He's two inches taller, got one inch reach, six years younger. Uh, both striking stats I track, he's uh, head in, striking and active striking. Grappling stats also are in his favor. He's at minus 130. We'll let you pick first. On this one, uh, I think I just... Um, hmm. Oh, you don't this have a pick? Close. This, this, is a, this is a close one. I've waited back and forth because here's what I'll say. If I could trust that this was the Santiago Ponzinibbio that was on a seven-fight winning streak, you know, two or three years ago, whenever that was, I'd pick him here. I think he he's uh, when he was in that span, he's definitely good enough to be an up-and-comer like Baeza. I just I think I have to pick Baeza because I don't trust that's still in Ponzinibbio. I mean, he didn't look himself last time. He got knocked out by Li Jingliang. Baeza hits hard, so like if he could get touched by by Lee, who who is not particularly a a powerful striker, I think he could probably get touched by Baeza too. Baeza knocked out Matt Brown for what that's worth because Matt Brown's got a hell of a chin on him. Yep. So I'm gonna go with Baeza, but with the caveat that like if old Ponzinibbio shows up, this is gonna be a war. Old Ponzinibbio showing up because he's old, ha ha ha. But not the the former Ponzinibbio. I, I don't know about that. I don't know if, if that guy's around anymore. So I'm going with Caramel Thunder also. Um, maybe be a knockout if you want to give an answer with it. I think if he wins, that maybe the way he wins. And, and this also has the makings of a possible tonight um, with these two guys going at it. Um, what should we move to now? Let's move to middleweights. Roman Galizzi, Loriano Staropoli. Um, Starfleet is El Matador. 
Um, I think that translates to the Matador. Uh, don't know for sure, guys, but I'm pretty sure uh, he's the Matador. He's nine and three with five knockouts, two submissions. He's two and two in the UFC. He won his first two and then dropped his last two. Uh, he missed weight by three and a half pounds his last fight. So he's moving up. That was at welterweight. He's moving up to middleweight for this one, and he's taking this uh, as a late replacement also. A um, couple red flags there, if you ask me. He's five years younger than Delizzi. He's the more active striker. He's plus 120 right now. Uh, Delizzi is the Caucasian, his name. Uh, what do we care? <laughs> is it, it's racist if we pick Delizzi. Is that, or, or, uh, I think I'm going to go with Laureano Staropoli's yeah. second nickname. He also goes by okay. Pepe. Okay, yeah, yeah, Pepe's better, sure. That, that, I'll take, we'll, we'll take Pepe. In that, that'll be, yeah, that'll probably be the safe route than, than going with uh, Caucasians. So, um, Caucasians, 8-1, and one, four knockouts, three submissions. He's 2-1 and one in the UFC. He lost his last fight. He used to be at light heavyweight. So we're talking, he's dropping down to middleweight and Staropoli's moving up to middleweight. Um, he's got an inch of height, five inches of reach, and Staropoli on Pepe. Um, striking and grappling second favor, minus 150. Uh, I got to go with him in this one. I'm going to go with Staropoli. Oh, okay. um, yeah, I, I, so the reason for me here is I really do believe that Roman Delizzi has kind of been overrated. And I, I was actually guilty of it myself going to that Trevin Giles fight. But, like, you know, he jumped on, and, and yeah, I think he won that fight handedly. Um, he, he That definitely shouldn't have been a split decision. But, like, he didn't look great against John Alon. He, he kind of just, like, was – the best answer to, to – or the best description I can come up with is just he's kind of passive. He kind of didn't seem to want to put the pedal to the metal. Um, and then the same thing with Trevin Giles. It seemed like Trevin Giles just wanted to get more than Delizzi did. Um, so the only win we're talking about being real happy about in the UFC for Delizzi is he beat Kadis of Rigamov, who might be one of the worst dudes ever to fight in the UFC. And I mean that with with the the utmost respect. But the dude lost for straight before he was eventually released, um, and he looked very bad in all four of them, um, including awful against Roman Delizzi. Um, I, I now know he's outside the UFC. Kadis Rigamov no longer with the UFC, but Owen four in the UFC. So like, that's the only thing I have to, to like really hang my hat on for Delizzi. He's he's a Georgian guy, but doesn't particularly like to grapple, so you can't even like pat his corner. And like, yeah, he's an okay powerful striker, but like, in order for that to work, he has to throw more strikes, and he just hasn't been doing that. Starpoli, meanwhile, did outstrike Tiago Alves. Granted, an aged Tiago Alves, but like, he outstruck Tiago Alves. And yeah, he's coming off back-to-back losses, but to the aforementioned Muslim Salikov, who I think is a phenomenal striker, and to Tim Means. Like, there's there's no shame in losing to Tim Means either. So I, I deep down think that Starpoli is actually probably going to use the volume here and the fact that Delizzi has been passive in his last couple of fights to just rack up the early rounds and maybe even tire out the guy who's, if I'm being honest, too big to be a middleweight. All right, so you are doing your... Classic revisionist history here, and you're taking wins away from people and giving wins to people who didn't get wins and whatnot. But, um, fine, we'll go against each other. We're actually doing quite a few fights, so this is going to be interesting. I think, we're, I think we're, we have to four, and I've got the dog in three of them. Yeah, so it could be a very, very profitable night, or I could be having lots of fun with you on Saturday, so we'll see. Um, heavyweight, co-main event, nothing but big boys uh, heading into here. Um, Walter Harris, Marchin Tybura. Um, I haven't mentioned any chunky guys uh, in this one. Hmm, let me think. Well, we Tiber got one. Is a chunky guy. Tiber Tiber yeah. hundred percent a chunky guy. Bozer, not really. Just um, Latifi. You know, he's just he's just thick. And okay, so yeah, we'll go with Tybura in this one. Um, 
But we'll break down Walt Harris first, who has a bunch of nicknames. The Vault, the Big Ticket, and the Skull Crusher are his nicknames. Um, he's 13-9 with one no contest, 13 knockouts. He's been knocked out himself four times. He's 6-8 and eight in the UFC. He got TKO'd in his last two fights. He's two inches taller. He's at plus 135. Tiberius' nickname is Tiber, so it's basically just his last name shortened. And I looked that up, and it doesn't Tiber doesn't mean anything. So <laughs> uh, Harris is winning the nickname name battle, correct? Kind of. okay. It uses the big ticket most yeah. of the time, which I actually I really like that one. Yeah, that works. Um, so Tiber is uh, 21 and six, eight knockouts, eight submissions. He's also been knocked out four times. Um, he's eight and five in the UFC. He's won four straight fights. Before the UFC, he was the M1 champ, um, which is a big deal because uh, M1 is a pretty solid organization over in Europe. He's got an inch of reach, two years younger than Harris, striking and active striking stats in his favor, grappling in his favor. He's at minus 170. I will be taking him at minus 170 gladly. Yeah, I'm going to take Tybura. I'm not going to say gra- gladly. I-, I like him in this fight quite a bit. I think what he's got going on for him is – Believe it or not, despite the fact that he's a chunky guy, I actually think he's got a big cardio advantage in this fight. Um, you know, like he he leans on people really well. Even if he's not getting you down, he he works you against the cage. We saw that against Sergey Spivak way back when, however many fights ago that was. Um, and, and it's really what's led him to this win streak, right? Like the, I mean, the Greg Hardy fight. People memed Greg Hardy out the wazoo for for having awful cardio, but. The bottom line is, is like Marcin Tybura had to bring that to him, um, and he did, and he did well. Um, so like Marcin Tybura puts a good pace on you, makes you work really hard. Walt Harris is one of those, you know, huge, muscly heavyweights, which you know muscle it wears out. And if you know Harris isn't going to get him out of there, which he, he definitely could. That's that's why I'm you know not jumping all over and getting super excited about negative one seventy for Tybura, but. If he if he goes in there and knocks him out, which is a possibility, he's got a chance. But I think as this fight goes on, the worse and worse it gets for Walt Harris. Yep, agreed. Uh, Tybura is the pick here, despite his no nickname. Uh, main event is also a heavyweight battle, as I said, and it's a thick boy, T-H-I-C-C-B-O-I versus uh, Chunky, hashtag Chunky guy. Um, chunky guy, Augusto Sakai, maybe that could be his nickname because he does not have a nickname that I know of. Do you know of any nicknames other than hashtag Chunky Guy? I, I do not. He's just right. a Chunky Guy. All right, so he's 15-2-1 with 11 knockouts, so we will not be saying Chunky Guy in his uh, within earshot of him. 4-1 um, in the UFC. He got TKO'd his last fight, so that snaps his four-fight win streak. He was on the Contender Series as well where he was 1-0. Uh, he also was in Bellator where he was 4-1-1. Striking and active striking stats in his favor. Grappling also stats also in his favor. Plus 100, so we got even money for him. Uh, Rosen Strike nickname is Biggie Boy, B-I-G-I. Boy, obviously, that's the pick. Where else the guy's nickname is? Yeah, Biggie Boy's a great nickname. Exactly. Um, 11 and 2 with 10 knockouts. So I have a feeling this one may end violently, um, regardless of who you want to pick to win. He's 5 and 2 in the UFC. He is only 1 and 2 over his last three. He did lose his last fight. Um, all of his UFC wins are being out. He's got one inch of height on Sakai, one inch of reach, so that's pretty much a wash. They're pretty much the same size, these two. Wait, I they're pretty much the same size. Uh, he's three years younger. He's at minus 125. We'll let you uh, break down the main event first. I'm going to first of all say I don't like the knockout prop. Um, no. I, I think if, if you're looking for a prop on this card, 
I think this fight ends by knockout is not a good one, no matter who you're picking here. Um, Why is that? First of all, well, first of all, you're only getting Rosenstrike at plus 150. Okay, yeah. Um, it's nice to get plus money, and you're only getting Sakai at plus 300. So not great numbers. And if you look at some of their past fights, both of them have a tendency to fall into very passive fights. Um, the surreal gain fight uh, for, for for Rosenstrike, he, he looked like he wasn't going out there and trying to finish gain. And some of that was frustration based on the kickboxing style of surreal gain, but some of it also is just sometimes he falls into that mode. Look at his Overeem fight. He gets the knockout with four seconds left. He fought for 24 and a half minutes and pretty much didn't really go in there with any intention of hurting Overeem. Um, and, and Overeem's a guy we've known to be knocked out. If you look at Augusta Sakai's recent losses, um, you know, the, or recent wins, rather, the one against Bogoy Ivanov, same thing, great passive. The one against Andrei Arlovsky, he just fought Andrei Arlovsky's style of, like, boring, poke-away type fight. So while both of these guys have fighting and ending intentions sometimes, it really depends on their opponent bringing that to them for them to do it. Um, so I'm a little bit worried that we might get, like, a weird 25-minute stalemate here. Um, so I don't, I don't like those shots because I am taking Yayo's right because I think if somebody is going to land the knockout blow, it's going to be him. Um, and if it's a, you know, like I'm saying, a patty cake for 25 minutes, th- then I don't really... I don't really have anybody to favor. So I'm going to take the guy who I think has got the better knockout power. But knowing that both of them have had kind of those types of fights and I'm only getting a plus 150 turnaround for a, for a Rosenstrike knockout, I don't like those odds at all on that prop. But I do like – I mean, like, Rosenstrike is probably the better pick here if you're looking for, you know, DraftKings plays or something like that. Like, you probably can find Rosenstrike down at, like, you know, the $8,000 level or $8,200 level for, for his pay. So he might be worth that if he goes in and knocks him out. But I will tell you, I'm a little worried that this fight winds up being a snooze fest. Yeah, you never know um, with with heavyweight fights. Sometimes they turn, like you said, they turn into a staring contest. And sometimes the uh, leather gets thrown widely. So Rosen Strike's my pick also. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with what you say. I, everything you said about knockout makes sense. So, um, could be a, a very quick action field fight, or it could be a, a slog, like you said. So, um, probably right to, unless you're a massive degenerate to, to just, uh, stick to picking outright winners for this, which will be Biggie Boy, according to us. Um, what props do we like? Uh, we mentioned a few throughout this fight, I, throughout this fight card, I believe. Do you have any off the top of your head? Yeah, I, I've got some that I like. I, I actually think Muslim Salikov by KO is going to be a, a smart play here. Yep. Um, you know, I'm not seeing early lines out there for that because um, – actually, I don't know why I'm not seeing early lines out there, but I, I think him by knockout against Francisco Trinaldo is going to make a lot of sense. Uh, I, I actually think w- once the lines come out on Manon Firo by knockout, if those are close to even money, it might be an interesting way to bet on her because she, like you said, she's like negative 500 or something like that right now. So that's not fun to play in any way, shape, or form. But I do think if you can find her getting close to that even money number, um, I think that's worth it. And also, um, for other ones I like, you know, like if you if you need to make Gregory Rodriguez more spicy on this one, I mean, he's already you're already getting plus money on him, but. Him by knockout is is getting up at like the plus two fifty range, so almost plus three hundred range, depending on what book you're at. 
it's a little extra nice chunk of change, although I think he could probably win it as a two, but I've got him winning by knockout, so that's not a bad prop for me either. All right, there you go. Um, let's go with our last we'll like to pick first. I think it may be your turn. How do you, who's lock of the week? So I, we talked last week about right. didn't make a dumb decision. I, I've been trying to pick guys who are too close in numbers or gals that are too close in numbers. So I'm just going to go with the one I'm actually pretty high on that isn't like a ridiculous negative 500. And I'm going to take Jordan Levitt right off the bat. Um, you know, he, he's a guy who, again, the number, you know, not, you know, nothing to blow you away, but I, I think he's going to fight this fight uh, very safe and, you know, hovering right around negative 200. I'll, I'll take my 50 bucks on the return there. All right, Monkey King is his lock. My lock is the King of Kung Fu. Um, Listen, Salakov over Francisco Trinado, minus 250. So uh, almost the same range as Dan. So they would be, that would be our locks for this week. Um, anything else you need to tell them about this card, or you, th- you think we did a uh, good enough job, Dan? I think we nailed it. I, I think the most important thing about this card is it gives you a little appetizer to the um, the feast that we get next week. Yes, UFC 263 is... Next week with what two title fights plus Nate Diaz coming back, so yeah, it should be should be lots of fun. Um, But that is for next week. Um, The remainder of this week, make sure you read. I'll have my written breakdown of this fight card up on Sports Gambling Podcast sometime on Thursday, so check that out for sure. uh, SportsGamblingPodcast.com, and you can read all of our fight week stuff and rankings and salary info and. Gambling advice and what else we got up? Pick them, contest, all that stuff over at MMA-Manifesto.com. Um, listen to Dan's podcast, Prelim Picker, where uh, you will can hear if he flip-flopped any of his picks. I think he's actually been pretty solid at not giving different picks in different sites, but you never know. So you should listen to Prelim Picker. Just make sure and call him out if he, if he does uh, get wishy-washy with his picks. And then listen to the Top Turtle MMA, where once again this week is – Guests on there will be Claudio Puelles yes. and Marcin Tybura. There you go. Oh, Marcin Tybura. That was a uh, a late one that you got in there, I guess, right? Or did yeah, you tell us that, that? That was the one I got in under the gun because I right, did tell you, you Frank. I had I had Frank Camacho and Luigi Vendramini right, right, right. Uh, all lined up, but those two will be on next week now. Okay, very good, very good. So listen to Top Turtle and follow us on Twitter. Obviously, Jeff Fox writer Gumby Vreeland. It would be his handle. Um and subscribe to our podcast. If you're listening to this on the Sports Gambling Podcast main feed, make sure you find our specific feed, MMA Gambling Podcast feed, because um, probably right around when football season rolls around, we're going to um, pop off their feed and, and just be exclusively on our Gambling Podcast feed. We'll still be part of the family. We'll just be on our own feed. So make sure you subscribe to our feed now so you don't miss a episode of this amazing podcast, the best podcast around. Um. And I think probably oh you can you can rate and review you you know what to do um, everybody tells you in every podcast to do about that so um, I think that is pretty much it is it my turn to say bye or your turn to say bye it's definitely your turn this right. week I think I've gotten a couple of weeks in a row for being honest I am uh, so uh, thank you for listening I am Jack Sox and he is the king of the Gogo Plata Daniel Vreeland and we will catch you again on Sunday bye bye.